Hello and welcome to End Goals, an LCMS Youth Ministry podcast. I'm host Reverend Mark Kiesling, and I'm with DCE Juliana Schultz. We're here to bring parents, church workers, and lay leaders discussions and resources to help your youth ministry meet its end goal, which is young people who are disciples of Jesus Christ for life. Today, we're going to talk about discussing suicide with youth. Suicide is not an easy topic to talk about, which is why it's in this series where Mm -hmm. we're talking about hard discussions. Um, And while we've already talked about bullying and anxiety and depression, and and so we've had some great conversations around mental health, we wanted to set aside some time specifically to talk about suicide. It is the second leading cause of death among young people uh, aged 10 to 24, and the rate of suicide in that age group has increased by 60% since 2007. Uh, Gen Z is the highest levels of suicide since the beginning of formal tracking of that, which um, is just heartbreaking. And and we know uh, that the COVID-19 pandemic really only increased mm-hmm. a lot of the concerns we have about young people um, and uh, their mental health and in particular in suicide. So we want to make sure that you are equipped so your teens are equipped to understand, discuss and combat this deadly threat certainly heartbreaking to see the new stories that pop up or to see those statistics. And it's also unfortunate that there's still oftentimes a stigma around suicide and there's difficulty talking about it, even in the church. And we know that there can be even fear maybe around talking about it directly with teens, but there doesn't have to be. And in fact, a conversation around this hard topic can remind young people of their value and identity in Christ. And it can be a place of warmth and grace that points them back to Jesus who loves them and died for them. So we've invited uh, Megan Meisler to join us. Megan is a licensed clinical social worker. Megan began working with children and youth as a DCE in the Lutheran Church, and she received her MSW from the University of Central Florida and her DCE certification from Concordia St. Paul. Uh, Megan works with children and families and focuses on play therapy, depression, anxiety, crisis intervention, school counseling, and marriage therapy. Thanks for joining us, Megan. Thanks for having me. I appreciate time on the topic. So we got to hear a little bit about you briefly in the intro, but tell us more about your vocations, your roles in youth ministry, and other things that bring you joy. Yeah, so I serve in Orlando, Florida as the executive director at Lutheran Counseling Services. Um, So it's been kind of a role I've grown into. And just as you guys talked about, after COVID, mental health is expanding so much. So literally sitting with you in our brand new offices because we had to open more locations because we were just maxed out, really. Um, so um, I love working with families and youth. That's really been my passion. I would say probably one of my, I don't know, like a population I just grow more and more comfortable working with and love and enjoy is kids on the autism spectrum, which when we talk about suicide with them is a little different. Um, but also things that bring me joy are um, going to volleyball with my kids, uh, watching my Tampa Bay Lightning. Um, hopefully get their act together this year, um, but spending time on my kayak. Uh, so, you know, when you talk about hard topics, you got to find ways to unplug and enjoy. And so um, I have a whole list of those things. Awesome. Go Blues. Um, one of the oh, things we hear from our guests is about their junior and senior high school years. Can you share a uh, time of maybe how Jesus used a key moment or moments or people to bring you closer to him or the church? Yeah, I mean, part of my story, and, I, and I've been sharing it so much more lately, is I grew up a pastor's kid. My dad's a Lutheran pastor, so that's a whole nother dynamic, being a teenager and having to listen to your dad preach on Sunday morning. Um, I was super blessed that he realized it probably wasn't going to work for me, um, and so was able to have other faith role models in my life outside of our church family, because it just got a little difficult for me. 
um, attended a Christian school in St. Petersburg, Florida, had great role models um, that led kind of devotion stuff for me. But I think one of the most, I don't know, significant moments was probably that, I don't know for me, but going through confirmation was like a whole crisis, like emotional crisis. I got grounded for something and, you know, um, but it really was a time where I kind of stepped out and said, this is what I believe, not because of who my dad is, but because this is my faith. And then it grew through high school. And as I went into college, I, I remember one time I called my dad and I'm like, I'm dating this guy who's like an assembly of God and I don't understand. And he's like, you should really figure that out, like read your Bible maybe. And so that really helped me like just have people push me to figure out what I believe myself. Um, and so that's always been an important piece for my my kind of like faith walk of growing up. Yeah, Mark and I, as both church worker kids, totally resonate with with right? some of that. I think mm-hmm. uh, we appreciate that, and and the thoughtfulness that our parents can have when they're church workers about how to care for your your young people, and mm-hmm. that God raised up other folks for you. That's fantastic. Uh, you talked a little bit how you love working with young people, but just curious uh, to ask, what do you love about working with young people and parents in your congregation and in your context and in your community? Yeah, so one of the things I love, um, especially with kids on the autism spectrum, and I have a 15-year-old son, um, they don't talk in straight lines. If you've ever had a conversation, especially with a male teenager, um, or even those that get super anxious, like we'll start talking about one thing and we'll divert to something else and then we'll come back to where I want them to be. And I I love that. Um, I love to bounce around in my thoughts. I think you're joking. I'm an off the cuff kind of person. I know you two are planners, but like <laughs> that brings me so much joy. Um, I also love just like being able to advocate for teenagers to their parents or like work on that relationship. I think Parents, like I'm a parent of two teenagers. I get it wrong all the time, like probably every second of the day. And so like having and talking to other parents about like how you're not going to get it right, how you're not going to be that person for your kid all the time and finding other adult role models to have in their life. I just think that's really important. That's great. Well, one of the things that, um, Certainly we want to discuss and to know that there's a lot of grace around this conversation is even the topic of suicide that uh, we're so grateful to have you on. It's one of those things that we can always learn about ways to get, we can talk about and bring it up mm-hmm. with youth. I know I've learned through that and, and made mistakes in those conversations maybe and learned along the way to hopefully be able to better respond to needs and concerns mm-hmm. around that topic. And so we're thankful to, to have you on, on and to discuss this sensitive topic. So just to start there a little bit, like, do you have any suggestions in general how to talk about suicide in a Christ-like way? And uh, maybe in particular, are there things you would say to people or not say maybe in that context if it comes up in your youth ministry or with children as you're doing ministry and connecting with them relationally? Yeah, I mean, I think one of the big things is you've got to hear their perspective and not try to change it. So it's so important. Um, we talk about ears for fears, and it's an acronym um, to remind you, like when when people are sharing hard, difficult things of how they feel or or, or what's going on in their lives. You need to earnestly listen. You need to accept like their perspective. You need to reassure and suggest. So, you know, it's hard when you're like maybe a DCE or, or like a small group leader and you feel like you should be teaching. But mm-hmm. I really think you've got to change your hat when kids are talking about these things and just listen. And even if you don't understand, like accept that that's where they are and that's how they feel. Um, cause nothing makes a person 
even adults struggling with this, more isolated than for you to tell them that they're wrong to feel the way that they're feeling. Mm -hmm. So I think another really important thing that has got to be put out there when we're talking about suicide or even when you think somebody's dancing around the topic is to understand when you ask, like when you literally ask, are you thinking about harming yourself or killing yourself? Um, you're not planting the idea. So, so many people pull back on even asking that question because they're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to make them think about doing it. And in all the research that's done in mental health and around suicide, that's just not true. If they're dancing around a topic, they've been thinking about it. Um, so like go for the jugular, answer the question straight out. So you know what you're working with. They think it's really important. Um, and so it's just, it's just going straight in and asking those questions. No, we really appreciate that. And, and we know that adult leaders really care for young people and they they want to be looking out for how they can best love that young person. Uh, so what are some things youth leaders might want to be looking for? And I know there aren't always indicators here, but what are some maybe things that they should be thinking about uh, when they see uh, to go like, hey, that young person might be struggling or approaching maybe a mental health crisis? Yeah. So, I mean, first and foremost, like I just want people to know if anybody who has had a friend or a family member kill themselves, they their risk increases for suicide, especially as a teenager. So first and foremost, if you know somebody who's who knows someone where that has happened, like we just need to have more eyes on them and be checking in with them. Any major change in behavior too, like sudden withdrawal or um, any losses that are around, like Again, like I would just draw closer to those people and just have our eyes and ears on them a bit more. Um, also, to be said, though, there are people who are just introverted people, right? And like need their alone time. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're fully depressed. Like they just need time to check out and they need time to re-engage. Um, so, so again, higher risk when you know somebody who's killed their, themselves when you've had more losses around you or major changes or transitions, but also just if you recognize a change in behavior, any kind of escalating risky behavior um, can also be seen in that way as well. We know that so many of our young people are going to be um, touched by suicide, maybe in their high schools um, or in other relationships there. And we know that as we as they're connecting with others, in particular friends who are also struggling, how can we help young people to be those people too that show the love of Christ? How can we support them in that way? How can we help them to understand maybe the, the gift of professional help and maybe when to point friends in that direction and also maybe good boundaries to help them in their with their peers as they uh, go out into their world? Yeah, I mean, I think first and foremost, like, understand teens use this language all the time right well i'm just going to kill myself right it's a statement that gets me like repetitively um and so i don't know that we can change the whole world and say how about we just not say that but that would be great if we could have that miracle happen um but also i think when anybody says it or makes a statement kind of towards it there's just got to be a wraparound conversation and teaching our teens to be like do you mean that i'd really hate for you not to be here I don't think we should be afraid of those conversations. Um, I also think there's education with teenagers and stuff. We don't want to isolate our friends. We don't want to make them mad. We don't want to tattletale on them. Um, and and teenagers don't always have that long-term perspective, right? And And if somebody's made a statement and then they do take their life and they didn't take an action, the guilt that haunts them for the rest of their life is really, really difficult. And so teaching them like, here's when we act and here's who we tell. 
um, I think is really important. And we act when anybody makes a statement in that way and, and, and we ask. And if, and if anybody has a plan, if they know how they're going to do it, then we need to seek, we need to seek adult assistance in that. Um, we often say to adults, and I'd say the same thing to teens, don't promise to keep a secret that you can't keep. Um, that's not a secret that you would ever want them to keep. I, I think another caveat here, guys, is for the majority of people who are contemplating suicide, they will say something. There is a percentage, I think it's around like 10%, that will never say anything. Um, and those are the harder ones. Those are the scarier ones. Um, and you always look back like, what could I have done? Um, but for those like, you know, 90% that are saying something, we have to have uh, a response or a question or a time of listening and understanding. I think there's some of this that you just never are going to be able to anticipate, right? Mm -hmm. um, there is a part of this where you go, you can have all the eyes and ears and love in the world for that young person. And that might not change the situation that they're in or, or the consequences of that. So um, I know that it could be really uh, difficult to, um, to navigate as a youth leader. It's also, I feel like, especially for youth leaders who maybe don't have any uh, previous experience or um, even training to have a young mm -hmm. person come to you and say, Hey, I'm I'm thinking of hurting myself. This is, you know, where you're having a conversation and maybe it comes up in a, a Bible study, maybe it comes up in a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I mean, I think we often see this at, at bigger events where you right. have some intensive time with that young person and and then through that comes out this. And and as youth leader, I remember the first time it happened to me where where a young person indicated that. And then uh my the attempt to stay calm and then at the same time um right. like completely panic in my brain and being like and I have training so I was like okay I remember something in class about how I'm supposed to what am I supposed to do now right or the first time I have to call a parent and say like hey we saw we heard a young person say this we just want to make you aware right those kinds of things so uh, maybe can it help us walk through for people who, be, who don't know or who haven't had that experience, what does it look like? I have a young person comes to me and through that conversation, we, we hear that they're, they're thinking about hurting themselves. Yeah. So one, I want to give you an, a, an app, a tool, because it's all laid out so perfectly that we give to teachers and DCEs. And I had a DCE just the other day call me and use this. So um, I know you'll link it in the show notes or whatever, but Columbia Protocol. Um, mm. I know it sounds weird, but it's an app. Um, and it like you can literally hand it to the kid and say, I need you to answer these questions. And then at, when they're done, they'll hand the phone back to you and it, it will tell the it will tell you what the risk is and how you should respond. Um, so having something like that where I'm not the one asking the questions and I can like take my own deep breaths while they're asking answering questions on a phone. It can be really helpful. It can feel a little distant, but for some it's helpful. You know, I the first question always is how would you hurt yourself? Um, it is a question you you almost like have to ask or it's a question asked on the phone, like, do you have a plan? And so for, for those who um, you're having a discussion with or you've heard them make a statement or even the statements that are like, I really don't want to be here anymore. Mm. Um, they need follow-up questions. And did you mean that? What did you mean when you said that? Have you thought about this? How would you do that? Um, and so, you know, to get into the nitty gritty, if they're like, oh, I would shoot myself in the head, 
do you have a gun? Do you own a gun? What gun would you use? You know, it is a little bit of like just getting an understanding. They trust you. You're the person that they're talking to. And so gathering some details to keep them alive is important. I think the other thing we have to make sure we discern though too is there's definitely a difference between self-harm and suicide. So we have a lot of teenagers that cut, that burn themselves, that pick, that bite themselves. And those that's a drastically different behavior than suicide. And so getting an understanding of, you know, are you are you cutting your arms and it feels good and then like it heals and you feel better? That's not a suicidal behavior. Definitely a behavior that needs to be addressed by therapy, um, but we're going to respond a little bit differently. So definitely your next steps are to ask the questions and then you're not to leave them until we get a plan in place. Um, and so even if you, even if they're like, you know, I don't have a plan or I don't want to kill myself, it's still good to say like, well, what's your plan for the rest of the day? Who are you going to be around? Can I call you later to check in with you? Um, those type of things so that we're not just like, okay, check that off my list. You can return to your regular activities for the day. Um, but that you care and that you listen and that you hear like they're having a difficult time of some sort. Um, so yeah, next steps, ask the questions, stay with them. And if they really do have a plan, you know, if it really is a, yeah, I do plan to shoot myself in the head. And, you know, I've had people who are like, in two weeks on this date, I'm going to get this gun. I'm going to go here and I'm going to kill myself. Um, and so it is that, well, you're going to stay with me right now. And we're going to call somebody. If you're a teen, we're going to call an adult. If you're an adult, we're going to call the police. Um, and we're going to get you somewhere where you're safe. And, and, and that's where it gets hard, right? That's where our anxiety gets really hard because you're going to hate me. You're not going to want to talk to me. You know, you're going to be really mad at me. Um, and so as adults, we can have the perspective, like you can hate me forever, but you'll be alive to hate me. And I'm going to be fine with that. Um, for teenagers, it's a little harder to wrap their head around that perspective. So I, I heard you mention that, you know, we want to make the distinction that there's a difference between self-harm and suicide. Yep. Um, what, how would we maybe respond differently as we kind of are starting to ask those questions yeah. of that young person and we identify it's more self-harm? Are there some steps we would take there uh, that might help uh, move that process forward differently? Yeah, so really important with self-harm that we um, that we get an understanding of possibly what their form of self-harm is. Um, not always necessary, but to just understand so that you can differentiate the behaviors. Um, but one of the places I think that we don't talk about enough with self-harm is a lot of people want to and like make a safety plan and make them promise not to self-harm which actually escalates the self-harm behavior and then causes almost a relationship issue with the person that they made this promise to. So when we talk about self-harm, it's so important. Never make them promise to stop. Um, it's a behavior that they've learned. It's a coping skill that they've learned. And they really need to be in counseling. So your steps with them would really be like, how can we get you to resources to work on this behavior and replace it with something else that's going to be healthier for them? Um, and also, is it going to be that dire, I got to do something about this right now, it's definitely going to be a much, much longer walk in that way. Um, and so just understanding when we maybe even engage with parents a little bit about that and with the teenager, 
um, please don't make them promise to stop. Um, it adds to the guilt and it actually increases the behavior. Megan, I really appreciate the the distinction between self-harm and somebody who's committing suicide, right? Um, and, oh man, I wish we had a lot of time to dig into talking about self-harm, yeah. right? Because we've seen such a huge influx of that. But I also think, and, and I, I correct me if I'm wrong, I'm hearing in that conversation, the difference between maybe suicidal ideation, I, I wish I weren't here anymore, and somebody who has a plan. Can you help us maybe pick apart those things mm -hmm. and then as somebody who might be continually struggling with something like suicidal ideation, how do we do some maybe long-term care with them? Yeah, so you're right. So people who are thinking about suicide are, there are people who just have ongoing thoughts of not wanting to be here on this earth because of the struggles that they're in or because of the depression or anxiety or even chemical imbalances that they're experiencing. And that's probably going to be something they're going to struggle with for a very long time. Um, and, and at times in their life, they're going to be at higher risk for actually acting on those thoughts. And then they're not going to be as high of a risk. From a counseling perspective, and even probably from like a church community perspective, we're going to have a safety plan. And I think that's what really important for if you know you have a teenager in your youth group who struggles on and on with suicidal ideation, um, know what their safety plan is. Like in a safety plan, when we draw it out, it is, here's the people I'm going to go to when I'm having a really bad day. Here's the things I'm going to do when I'm feeling that way. And here's the ways I'm going to be safe. And so you as adult leaders of, of youth that are struggling with that, to know what are healthy things that they can do for themselves when they're at low points, to know who their safe people are. And a lot of times it is people within our church community. Um, and then to know how to set boundaries around that too sometimes, because working with those who struggle with suicide ideation can be very exhausting. Um, and so needing to know like, when are they safe and when can I point them to their coping skills and when do I need to intervene is really those check-in points with them about what's your plan and, and where are you at. But always, can I just say, always, we should be on long-term counseling. Yes. If we're struggling with suicidal ideation. Yeah, yeah. And I think whenever we've talked about these mental health issues, that whole concept of like, you know, really hoping to develop that team of resources and caring loved ones around our young people. I'm just hearing again, I mean, I think it's still kind of a, uh, from the wave of COVID, I mean, that just the mental health process or health process is overloaded. I mean, you just talked about, you got new offices. Uh, yeah. You know, I mean, there's not hospital beds. There's just a recent report for youth who have struggled or have attempted suicide. And so, you know, where the church can hopefully again, be that place stepping into those places and not forgetting those youth and that it is, can be an ongoing, especially maybe in the short-term immediate to long-term process, but that that might be the loving environment they need um, and to continue to keep that connection with them and find those people who can help you as the youth leader, uh, but mm -hmm. also to support your team to be those hands and feet that are still loving those young people and connecting with them in that way. So that blessing that that can be. Yeah. Well, and I would say too, guys, like um, the 988 number in our area mm -hmm. is functioning. Um, so the mental health crisis line, as opposed to 911 using 988 is a great resource. And there's always been suicide hotlines out there, places you can text. And so on, his, on any safety plan we set up, that's always part of it. 
Mm-hmm. And good to have those numbers preset right. in your phone right. as a youth leader. Yeah. Right. Room. <laughs> That's stuff that we can pre play it. Having the app that you mentioned on your phone. Um, we've talked about mental health first aid before, right. right? Ways that you can equip before you get into that situation where then you can help that. You can have a little comfort and be like, I at least I have a couple of things in my arsenal that I can use. And, and I think too, to be consistent and possible, reach out if you got high school educators in your church or just sit down with, you know, maybe the counselors at school and say like, how can I be consistent with what they're hearing at school where those resources are at too? So there's that uh, connection that happens as well. Well, want to turn the page a little bit maybe and talk about something that we hope our youth leaders don't have to experience. Uh, but if there is a case where a young person is in their ministry or connected to the youth ministry and does die of suicide, what suggestions do you have for them to process that for their own um, processing of that, but then also certainly for youth and loved ones in their congregation as they walk through that together? Yeah, I mean, first and foremost, like I said before, it puts everybody else at a greater risk, right? So we have to talk about it. I don't know that um, traditionally over the last hundred years, it's been a topic that we've always felt very comfortable talking about in the church. But you have to. Um, you have to have those discussions. It's the elephant in the room. Um, and, and it is that piece of like, um, I, I think I shared at the National Youth Gathering, my workshop was on suicide. And, and, and I started it with like, we're not going to leave here feeling good. This isn't a conversation we're going to walk out of and I'm going to feel all better. It's not going to be that way. It's going to be a hard conversation, but one that needs to be had. And it is that piece of like, Share your feelings around how you feel about what happened. Tell us um, what are you worried about? What scares you? Um, and then like, what can we do moving forward? How can we check in with one another? Uh, we do see around death and suicide that there is a cohesiveness that comes together of family members and those who love the person and almost a more willingness to talk about mental health. Um, so just being able to have honest conversations I would say, too, there's kind of always this piece in the church, and I don't know if you want to go here, but with suicide of like, so what happened to them? Jesus must be like so mad at them that they took their life. And um, that's always the conversation that's going to come up in a youth group. You're not going to get around that. Um, did they go to heaven? All of those type of pieces. And so it's just really important to share somebody who kills themselves was not mentally healthy in that moment, or it could have been for a couple months around that moment or years around that moment. Um, and so it's a disease. It's, it's a sickness. Um, God loves us through our sickness. <laughs> God loves us despite our flaws. Um, and so we've had many faith leaders that have taken their lives. And um, it doesn't mean what they taught you or shared wasn't true, right? Um, mm-hmm. It means that they were struggling mm-hmm. with an illness. Mm-hmm. Um, so so important to have those conversations. Keep our eyes on our youth. Um, continue to talk about mental health. Um, as I present about it, it's so funny because adults still struggle talking about it. Teens don't. Yeah. Teens are like, they're ready, mm-hmm. right? And I, I had a presentation the other day and they're like, I'm just really tired of teenagers saying they're anxious. They're not anxious, they're nervous. I'm like, pretty sure it's the same thing, man. I don't know why you're so uncomfortable with the word. Like they can say it. Let's <laughs> us as adults learn how to use that language too a little bit and just have those authentic conversations. And I, and I do, I, there are lots of things that we could say about, about uh, Gen Z, but man, have they really changed and moved the mark for us on 
the expectation mm-hmm. to talk mm-hmm. about mental mm-hmm. health, uh, the language we have around it, the way that we treat it with grace and compassion. Um, I I appreciate the challenge, right, that they have in saying like, hey, we're having this conversation um, and we want to have this conversation uh, with the adults in our lives. Um, and for some of us, that just means that the adults need to be uh, a little more on top of our game right? <laughs> to to match their earnestness and, and their willingness to talk. Um, just to, I, I know we could kind of go on and on, but just maybe to close us up, thinking about what are some encouragements you might give youth leaders who are uh, concerned and thinking about this topic and what kind of resources do you think they could use to follow up if they have more questions? Yeah, I, I think my first statement to that is you're not in control and you're never going to be. And teens are going to make their decisions and, and their choices. And it's your job to walk alongside them right? And help point them in the right direction. But understanding your own anxiety when this comes to this topic is really important because it does affect how you engage. Um, and so make sure that you are have, have someone you're chatting with about it as, as these situations come up, because it can just be very unsettling. Uh, there's so many resources out there. There's so many more public figures taking their own lives. Um, you know, just in December, there's a very famous kind of TikTok dancer that I all we all yeah. followed and I think it helped raise discussion um around mental health. Um and so more and more in like infiltrating mental health into your discussions, talking about those hot topics, and then sharing resources. So not just sharing resources like the 988 number or the app, but like what do you follow on social media that talks about mental health? Um you know, I think one of my bigger pet peeves more recently is like, can we just stop putting the pretty stuff out? Like if I told you I was having a crappy day, I would like people would be like, oh, me too, me too, me too. Right. And so um, make sure that we're not trying to sugarcoat everything has been kind of my mission in talking about mental health. But then also share resources with your youth, like make sure you're putting stuff up on your social media or or sharing it out about like, here's two great self-care tips to try today, or let's do a feelings check-in. How are you feeling? And I'm, and if you're feeling sad, I'm going to be like, tell me what's making you sad. I'm not going to try to cheer you up um, because that's what we tend to do as the church. And I think we have to be very careful of how that makes a person who struggles with sadness feel. Um, and so that was a little ramble. I'm very sorry, but talk about mental health, be authentic, um, and, and find resources that are authentic. Yeah. We love uh, all the adult leaders who are getting into some of that messy everyday stuff with their young people and are willing to come alongside and, uh, and have those conversations. So I uh, thank you so much for joining us and kind of giving us some insight there. And, and we will certainly link to some of the resources you provided uh, uh, in the show notes. But thanks for joining us, Megan. Thanks, Megan. Thank you. Every time, whether it's on the local news or it comes in conversations and I hear about uh, the unfortunate news of another teen suicide, um, it always makes me pause, certainly to pray for the family and those that, that love that young person. But then also too, it always makes me pause to think like, what would I do in that situation? Or how do I prepare myself for when that conversation might come up in youth ministry or in a congregation? And I think too, whether it's this conversation or just a reminder from Megan is to take that pause and think about that. You as yourself to lower your anxiety to deal with this topic and to know kind of what that response will be. Think through it, um, have those steps in place, but then also too for your team, whether it's your staff, called workers, 
volunteers, parents um, that are in this, that like make sure that your church has a plan for how do you respond to suicide or suicide ideation to help and love young people. Yeah. And I, I think the other part of that that I recognize is, is that I, there, every plan is going to feel great in the moment and we're preparing for it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there is going to be a moment where you're going to have a young person that you love and care for mm-hmm. deeply, who's going to say something to you. Um, and you're going to have to ask some hard questions. Mm-hmm. Um, and to be uh, a calm presence in that is mm-hmm. important mm-hmm. to be a listening ear in that. But in every time I've had a young person have this kind of difficult conversation about suicide and self-harm with me, Internally, I am panicking. Mm-hmm, <laughs> like I said, mm-hmm. um, I am praying that God is giving me the right words. That I, that there is no plan that is going to supersede um, the emotions that you're going to feel in that mm-hmm. moment, and um, and you're going to have to walk through some difficult stuff with them. And so uh, we. Your planning and preparation is always beneficial, but mm-hmm. also not to feel guilty if in that mm-hmm. moment there's a lot of mm-hmm. things that maybe don't mm-hmm. go to plan mm-hmm. or go differently than you'd hope. Um, and I, I think it's also important for us, and we didn't talk about it much with Megan, but important to be partners, good partners with parents in those moments mm-hmm. um, and to be talking with them uh, very quickly and be partnering with them in finding help and getting help and maintaining uh supports for that young person and their family as they walk through that difficult time. Yeah. Hopefully Megan's words and, uh, you know, this conversation can be one of those things that I think to ask for the Holy Spirit, I, the word I kind of came across is to be bold, bold in love uh, for the yeah. sake of that young person, or again, maybe it's a friend of your youth um, to be able to share that word. So we're talking about someone's life here, um, the, the precious gift of life that God's given to them. And we want to protect that and guard them and, and uh, show them again, the truth that God loves them deeply. And so that you, Hopefully the Holy Spirit works through you and through your, again, getting that experience and um, walking through those steps to where you feel comfortable stepping in and asking those tough questions, um, again, for the sake of our young people and those that we love. Uh, and we appreciate that Megan was able to join us. She also did speak at the gathering on this topic for adult leaders and um, that will be available in podcast form um, here pretty soon. And so we encourage you to there. There's resources on the youth e-source uh, and we'll put some resources in the show notes. Uh, we really do want you to feel equipped uh, in every way that we can uh, to prepare and, and protect our young people and, and uh, help them to uh, continue to live and see the, the hope uh, in Jesus. So some closing questions to consider. Uh, how can you start processing and preparing yourself now to address this topic well with youth? Do you have a listing or understanding of local resources, such as counselors, who can help youth who struggle with suicidal ideation and their families or the consequences of suicide? How can you take uh, the lead from your youth and find ways to talk more honestly and openly and support those who may be struggling over time? We will continue to keep you in our prayers as you address these difficult topics. May God give you empathy, wisdom, and listening ears for the hurts of our youth so that they can, so that we can share the hope of the gospel with them. Engel's podcast is a production of LCMS Youth Ministry and KFUO Radio. To find out more about LCMS Youth Ministry or to find links to resources mentioned, go to kfuo.org slash youth ministry. Thank you for listening and caring for the young people of our church.